Welcome to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. On today's episode, we'll talk about how Chelsea stifled the champions, Man City, plus look at some of the other highlights around the league. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. I'm your host, Jake Marchesani, and today we're going to look back at the weekend. We had some really good games, a lot of close games uh, where everybody was giving it their all. I really felt like, aside from maybe Sheffield and Burnley, (laughs) um, there were some really tough, tough games this weekend. And the highlight of the weekend was definitely the Chelsea-Manchester City game. We'll talk a little bit about how Chelsea stifled Man City and had a great game plan to uh, combat them. Plus, we'll look at Wolves and Tottenham, which I thought was the next best game of the weekend. Wolves looking really good, knowing their identity, knowing how they want to play, and really being a tough team to play against. And we'll round up with some of the other results from the weekend, but it looks like we got a really good three-team title race. As we look ahead to this week ahead, we got Manchester City playing against Brighton. Uh, Excuse me, Manchester City playing against Brentford. And Brentford is Manchester City's kryptonite, in my opinion. Over the last few years, they've gotten the better of City. Plus, Liverpool look to stay in the race as well. They have a a game this week, so both those top teams are going to be playing Points could be exchanged or both teams can walk away with three points and keep the title race in the same position as it is today. But we do have a three-team title race, Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City. So let's get into the podcast. Okay, let's talk Man City versus Chelsea, probably the game of the weekend. Very exciting, entertaining match. If you're a fan of soccer, then you probably really enjoyed watching this. You know, of course, it was 1-1. There were not a lot of goals. But you have to appreciate the way both teams played, especially Chelsea. And, um, you know, I've watched a lot of Manchester City over the last few years. Pep Guardiola, I think, is maybe the best manager of uh, of our time for sure. And uh, so I try to watch a lot study, learn, you know, his tactics. And conversely, I look at how can you beat them? You know, that's what I like to think about a lot when I watch Manchester City is how do you beat them? And I've come to three conclusions. If you're going to beat Manchester City, you got to do three things. Okay. And if you can't do all three of these, you probably are not going to win. And uh, teams like Brentford, I do think Brentford is Manchester City's kryptonite. They come in, they they have a really good record against City. City struggle against them. <clears throat> they've uh, they've done these teams in the past that have beaten City. They have three things in common. And if you're going to beat City, here's the three things. Number one, you have to exploit their weakness. And what is their weakness? It's counterattacks on the wings, and we'll talk about that. Second. 
You have to take your chances. You're not going to get a whole lot of chances. So you have to take the opportunities when they come and you have to put the ball in the back of the net. Third, the whole team plays great and you have one or two standout performers. So this is a high bar if you're going to beat Manchester City. And rightfully so, they've become the best team in the world. So what did Chelsea do? I would say Chelsea did two and a half of these. They they didn't walk away with the win, but they played really well against Manchester City. So let's look at that. Chelsea go with a 4-2-3-1 against Manchester City's 4-3-3. Now, Number one, exploiting City's weakness. When City have the ball, they morph into a 3-5-2. And what happens is typically one of their center backs is going to push into the midfield as a second pivot alongside Rodri. And then they're going to have their three center, the rest of their center backs kind of kind of flare out and um, and play in the three. Well, what happened against Chelsea <clears throat> was that Manchester City had a Kanji, who was the, the 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 other center back, push up into the midfield, and Nathan Ake, who was playing kind of as the left back, left center half, was just pushing up really high, and and so there was a lot of space in behind on Chelsea's right side, Manchester City's left side, and what Chelsea did uh, was they would drop into kind of a four four two in defense. They would press a little bit high when they could uh, and push up into almost like a 4-2-4 and press City. And then if City broke the lines, they would drop deep. And what happened with um, <clears throat> with that was they were able to exploit Chelsea, uh, Manchester City's weakness by getting counterattacks on their right side. They had a lot of joy on that right side, and that's how they scored their goal. And with the first goal that Chelsea scored, they, uh, it was a nice little combo. And what happened was Nathan Ake was all the way up in the left winger position. He was all the way up at the, t- at the uh, Chelsea's 18-yard box. Chelsea kind of win the ball. And you don't see much of a threat. Nicholas Jackson comes in to, to get it. And what happened was Ruben Diaz, the other center back who's kind of covering for Ake, was caught really high having to challenge the ball. And it was a nice piece of skill by Nicholas Jackson to do a little bit of a flick and, uh, and, and, and was able to get a one-two and get the ball back. And they played the ball down the line for him. And he had tons of space to open up and run into. And of course, Raheem Sterling runs. They play the ball across. He cuts it back against Kyle Walker, finishes it. But they had probably two or three opportunities down that right flank in the first half and about two or three down that right flank in the second half. Pretty much all of Chelsea's counterattacks came on that right side. So they scored the goal. Second, you got to take your chances. So they got the goal. Raheem Sterling scores the goal, but Nicholas Jackson had a really good chance that he missed. Then they had another chance, almost identical to their first goal in the second half, where they played the ball into Nkuku, who had subbed on. And the ball slowed down a little bit. It gave City a chance to come back, and and the, and the attack kind of fizzled into um, not a great shot. So they, they had the opportunity, but they had maybe two or three other opportunities to get another goal, and they just couldn't do it. And, of course, City got a game-tying goal. They're going to try to wear you down. They're going to get a goal at some point. So that would be where they Chelsea only achieved a half point there because they took, they took their first chance, 
but they did not take the rest of their chances. And if you're only up 1-0 against Manchester City, very challenging to maintain that lead. And then thirdly, the whole team plays great and you need one or two standout performers. And Chelsea did this. Chelsea played phenomenal defensively. It was a great defensive display. It was not a park the bus situation. They pressed higher up the pitch, like I said, pushing into that 4-2-4. If City broke the lines, they dropped back into a 4-4-2 and they defended with purpose. They challenged every ball. Manchester City did not have a lot of clear looks. Erling Holland missed a lot of chances, but they were not amazing chances. They were, you know, creative. They got him the ball. A lot of them were aerial chances, which I would say if you're going to give Erling Holland a weakness, he's he's relatively weaker in the air. He's not very good at getting his getting a header on target, <laughs> um, and I, I I think he's better at launching himself with his feet for aerial uh, opportunities than with his head. So I do think that is a weakness. But he didn't really have any clear cut chance. He had some chances that you would normally think he'd put away. Goalkeeper made some saves, and the defense was really holding them. And so I was really impressed with the defensive display that man, that Chelsea put on. And the two standout performers were Gusto at right back and DeSassi at right center back. So that right side was just locked in. Gusto had a very tough challenge to play against Jeremy Doku, who is super fast, quick, loves to beat players. He had no, no joy on that outside against uh, Gusto. So I thought he, he, I thought he played a phenomenal match. And then DeSassi matched... Erling Holland with the physicality, with the speed, with the intensity, and really kept him at bay. And I was very impressed with that. You know, I I, uh, I had spoke a few weeks ago about Manchester United looking at uh, Braithwaite from Everton as a potential center back. And I thought, hey, not a bad idea. And then, of course, the following week, he gets manhandled by Erling Holland. But then DeSassi showed up and showed how you have to play against him. You got to stay physical. You got to be all over him. And it seemed like on corner kicks, Erling Holland wanted nothing to do with DeSassi. He was trying to get other players on him. So I think those two players really had a great performance. So they put in a great shift. Chelsea are going to be disappointed with dropping that point, those two points and um, the game ending in a 1-1 draw. But it was a really good game, really enjoyable to watch. Chelsea put on a great performance and – Kept the title race really interesting. So this was a great game. I thought, man, if you're if you're a fan of soccer, you're going to enjoy this game. You can rewatch it, watch the highlights. You can watch Chelsea with a really good game plan coming in and taking advantage of the opportunities, exposing uh, City's weakness, taking some of the chances, not all of them. And of course, the whole team did really play well with their standout performers. That is a blueprint on how you can beat Manchester City and Chelsea did it. One of the other great games from the weekend was Wolves versus Spurs. I'm a huge fan of Wolves. I really like their manager, Gary O'Neill, who I thought was done wrong at Bournemouth. I don't know why they let him go, but He seems to have found a great home at Wolves. They're buying into his philosophy. They're playing really well. They are a tough team to play. And uh, I thought they nailed it against Tottenham. They nailed the game plan. They exposed Tottenham's weaknesses. Tottenham 
to be fair, played pretty good. They had a lot of their players back. James Madison was back. They needed him. Um, Son was back from the Asian Cup. They were missing their fullbacks, which the way they play and those two fullbacks make a big impact for them. And uh, but you don't take that doesn't take anything away from Wolves. They had a great game plan. They created lots of good opportunities. They are a tough team to play. And they like to play with kind of that five back. You know, they have some wing backs. They have three center backs who are really good. They can they can handle the midfield as well. They like to have three in the midfield just so they don't get outnumbered. And then they kind of rotate it. It's almost like a a three four three or a three five two. So so their their front players can rotate a little bit. Sometimes Pedro Neto drops back a little bit, or sometimes Sarabia drop back, and you would see at times just two forwards. Um, uh, and so they were kind of, you know, fluid in that regard, but when they attacked, they attacked with pace, they attacked with power and speed, and they cause a lot of trouble for Tottenham. And I think they expose some of the challenges that Tottenham can face because Tottenham, they're enjoyable to watch. I think they're going to get, they could get back to some really good football with James Madison back and, um, and things like that. And I'll talk about what I think they should do moving forward. But their fullbacks are just, they just go wherever they want. And I know it's part of the plan. And James Madison said it's kind of like controlled chaos a little bit. Like it looks like it's all over and fluid, but there's actually an overall structure to it. But, you know, you just see their fullbacks all over the place at times, sometimes standing next to each other on one 18-yard box. They push so high and they push so narrow that, they are left with some exposure and Wolves were ready to expose it. And I thought the second goal was phenomenal for Wolves. They counterattacked with pace. Pedro Neto, he's had some injuries this season. So he was on fire. Then he got an injury. Now he's back. He was up for it. When, when they got the ball to him, he got, he received the ball Um you know, about a third of the way up the pitch. And I thought to myself, this is the guy you want with the ball in this situation. And sure enough, he just blows and goes down the line. He sees the defender coming to him, Emerson Royale. And he just says, you know what? I'm going to go past you too with the ball. Guys, it's so hard to dribble past somebody at full speed and with the ball and be faster than them because the, the ball does slow you down a little bit. So for him to just say, you know what, I'm blown by you. And then this is what I love about this guy, this kid, Pedro Neto, the composure in the box. He blows by Emerson Royale and then composure. He just cuts the ball back, keeps everything in control. What I like about when you have a composure in the box, you are able to slow everything down in your mind while it's still moving at a fast pace. And that's what he did. He slowed it down, cut it back, saw the run, and they had a beautiful second goal. When you, If you're Spurs, you had players tracking back. They just didn't pick up any players. If you're tracking back and you are, you know, your team is being countered against, you have to find the man and pick him up. And nobody picked up the man. He came in, Gomez, with a second goal. Beautiful. So I think Wolves 
They deserved it. They're really good. I really enjoy watching Wolves. They are a great team. They know their identity. They're great at counterattacking. They can score now. For the longest time, they just couldn't score. They were tough to play, but couldn't score. Now they can score. And uh, they're in the top 10. They are definitely a top 10 team. And so I think if you're, if you're Spurs, you got to get back to what was working for you in the, in the first half of the season. Son at center forward. He was playing great there. You know, Richarlison came in because they had injuries to Madison. They had Son out with the Asian Cup. And he did get some goals. But I think now you got to move back to what was working for you. Son in the middle with Madison linking up. Kulusevsky out wide. And I think Timo Werner. I mean, he's come in and he's been a spark. He's creative. So put him out out on the left. And then you come in with another wave of players like Richarlison, Brendan Johnson. You know, they have some... Some players off the bench. I think the the Werner pickup was a great pickup in the in the January transfer window to give them a little bit more depth. But I think you got to go back to Son in the center forward and those guys playing off the wings, and then Richarlison can come in and and kind of keep the energy level up and and the intensity when he comes in. And I think that would be a better use of their their players. Now, what do I know? I'm just a <laughs> I'm just a soccer fan talking, right? Um, but I do think that that might give them a little bit of an edge and get back to the the way that they want to play. If they get the the players back from injury that are injured right now, they could go on another run. You know, you never know. Um, but I think that's what Spurs need to kind of right the ship a little bit and get back to the way they were playing and winning in the first first part of the season, if you will. Other results around the Premier League this weekend, Arsenal and Liverpool are serious title contenders and they got a nice assist from Chelsea. I do think they both of them are going to be in the title race all the way. Arsenal gained a lot of experience last year. I don't think they bottled it. I mean, they were they're a young team, they were ahead of schedule. It was it's challenging to go toe to toe with Manchester City and especially the way City were playing last year. So I get I don't I don't hold anything against Arsenal. And I think they learned a lot. They got some new pieces in place. Declan Rice has been phenomenal. And they're on a mission. They're still in Champions League. So they're going to have a test in Champions League. But they look very fluid. They look composed. They know what they're doing. And they seem like they're on a mission. It's very impressive. Arsenal look really good. I just I watched some of their game this weekend. They just, they're flowing right now. And the, the ball is moving nicely. They, they are getting lots of goal scoring opportunities. They're getting goals from all different players. So that's what you want as you go into, you know, a title race at the end of the season. Liverpool have also bounced back from that Arsenal defeat. They got Mo Salah back, who made an instant impact this weekend. And they look like they're back to their good form. And I do think both of them are going to be challenging Manchester City. So we have a, I do believe it's a three horse race. And Manchester City, I think, have arguably the tougher schedule of the top three. And they all play a lot of tough teams. They all still have to play a lot of the top teams. But Manchester City have to play all the other top seven teams. And they have to play both Arsenal and Liverpool whereas Arsenal and Liverpool have already played each other twice. So they've gotten that out of the way. Manchester City do have a tough schedule. They're going to want to be competing in Champions League. 
They may want Champions League a little bit more this season. Kind of go back to back. They are the favorites. So it does seem like an interesting title race. And drawing against Chelsea keeps the title race super interesting. On the other hand, Manchester United, I do think they could challenge for the top four, maybe top five. There's a chance that the top five teams get Champions League next year. And that would be great for Manchester United to kind of get back in there. Wolves, definitely a top 10 team. I think at this point now, Burnley and Sheffield United are done. They're going to be relegated. They're just there's there's a nice gap there. Luton are still in it and they're still fighting, and they are a tough team. They're the best of those three teams for sure. But they uh, can they do it? I'd love to see them stay up. It would be at the expense of somebody like Everton, Nottingham Forest, maybe Brentford dropping into that relegation zone. So that should be interesting, but I do think we have two of the three going down. If you look down in the championship, interestingly enough, the three teams that dropped down, Leicester, Southampton, and Leeds, they are in the top three positions now and looking like they may be moved back up. So it looks like we may just be doing a little double swap. The three teams move up, three teams move down. Those same ones rotate again back into the Premier League. We'll see. We still got plenty, plenty of games to go. The championship always has surprises in the playoff, and that's how Luton got promoted. They do seem like the only team to, who has a chance to stay up now of the three that got promoted. So we'll keep our eye on that. But uh, games coming fast and furious. We got Champions League this week. We got midweek Premier League games. We got lots of stuff coming. And uh, so stay tuned, guys. Uh, keep, keep, um, keep joining us. If you like the podcast, subscribe. If you, if you like our analysis on YouTube, like the channel, subscribe, and you'll get more soccer content. And uh, we appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Socrates Podcast. And special thanks to GridLab for providing the music and the album artwork. Socrates Podcast is a production of Ballwatchers FC. Watchers FC.